This episode of Vital Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the fastest, easiest, most user-friendly, compatible, and responsive way to make your very own professional website, portfolio, blog, or online store. Go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS at checkout for 10% off your first order. And if you sign up for a year, get a free domain name. That's squarespace.com with the promo code THUMBS. I'm really sore and tired. Hello. I'm really sore and Johnson. <laughs> Over here, over here, <laughs> over Soren Johnson, really, really Soren Johnson over here, over California, <laughs> Soren Johnson over California, really Soren Johnson over California. <laughs> when I leaned out to get my phone, yeah, I you really, look- really <laughs> just <laughs> fucked up my back. Oh no, I'm an old man, old man. Cast. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, it's September 8th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 280. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Wow, 280. I know. Isn't that weird? It's a hmm. lot of 280 them. Idle Thumbs podcasts, plus probably like a couple dozen weird GDC episodes and news and, blasts. And garbage. And, yeah, we're probably over 300 episodes. In fact, I think a few weeks ago, we, we passed 300 total episodes. Not that that matters. 280 real episodes. On this real episode... Uh, Nick has been playing a lot of Battlefield 1, and we'll talk about that. But first, Jake and I went to PAX. Someone did not go to PAX. Nope. Someone ditched out on that cool Idle Thumbs party. Yep. That was actually a really good event. That yeah, turned out way... Yeah. The turnout was... I mean, I, I this is always true, but the turnout was way better than I expected it. Mm-hmm. I Every time we ever do any kind of live Idle Thumbs anything i always have this like nagging fear that we're gonna just be, show up be, and it's yeah. and the the bar people are gonna be like where's all the where's all the people we reserved this room these rooms instead for instead the bar people were like you did not tell us there'd be this many people yeah. we like we had a we custom, filled all available space yeah we've oh, like, wow. all yeah and we had a uh, a lovely menu of custom drinks uh, which were in such high demand that the bar ran out of supplies to make most of them <laughs> yeah they were so like, it was very yeah. good um spaff Organized most of it, yeah. so a huge thanks Spaff to Spaff. Totally took point he, on that. He actually brought two unreleased games, one of which I didn't get a chance to play, but one is uh, a game, Arena Gods? A, ga- a game called Arena Gods. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Did you play much Arena Gods? I I played several rounds. It was awesome. Spaff described it as like a top-down uh, Nidhog. Yeah, and that's actually a really good. I, I didn't quite know what that meant when he said it, but after you play it, it's cl- it's quite clear. So it's a it's a four player game, top down, just like one screen, you know, arena thing, and you just run around with, you know, a controller. And uh, you can pick up various bladed weapons. And like with Nidhogg, you can, you can swing them or throw them. Uh, and so it's just four people running around, one hit, one kill, last player standing wins the round. Um, and it's, it's got hilarious shit. Like there are portals on. Uh, you know, the center of, of the edges of the screen that you can run to and pop out the other side, but weapons will just loop around the screen no matter where they're thrown. So you end up with crazy, like, swords just going top to, top to bottom, mm. top to bottom, top to bottom, in, like, just the outrageous video game way where it's like, oh, fuck, live sword just wrecking everyone. Um, and it's just a really fun, really quick uh, multiplayer game of a type that was seemed like it was really big and kind of in the zeitgeist for a couple of years. A few there. years ago. But yeah. it's sort of 
fallen off a little bit. So yeah, it was really fun to play one of these that was like new and felt really crisp and fun. Yeah. yeah. It having four players in it added a dynamic. I mean, it, that it was not in Nidhogg or, I mean, I guess it's, that's, that's in like, uh, Samurai Gun or yeah, uh, this one was top down, which is interesting because Samurai Gun is side scrolling. Nidhogg yeah, is this, side scrolling. This, this looks like uh, a or, single or, room from Gauntlet or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you still get the crazy scenarios where there's only two guys left standing, and then at the last second they both try to throw their swords at each other and kill each other, and there's a draw. Like, uh, yep. I don't know. It's oh it, yeah, we did. We had like exact draws. Exact it's, draws. Cause yeah, it, yeah. It's it, super good. It's yeah. Uh, I was trying to find the developer. And I, it's by a s- small studio named Supertype, and I'm not sure what they have done before or after, but they are the guys making Arena Gods. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Nice. That's, so that was fun. And then the event was just like was just a blast. It was at the Diller Room in Seattle, and it was um, we had two. We had the like the back room, and then we had like the extra secret back room, which is a really great like dark wood paneled, uh, strange basement. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Uh, luxurious zone with its own bar and stuff. It was really fun. Cool. So people were kind of milling in between those two. Um, we'll probably try and do that. I would think we'll probably try and do that again in future years and just give the bar a little more heads up about <laughs> the, the number of people to expect. Um, but it was really fun. So thanks to everyone who came out. We met a ton of Thumbs readers and it was really cool. Everyone was really awesome. Yeah, both of that and the Firewatch booth. Um, honestly, speaking of the Firewatch booth, I think, Chris, both you and I had less of a chance to look around PAX than we would have expected yeah, because yeah. when you're at PAX as an exhibitor, your life is forfeit. Right. Um, <laughs> That's true. You do get that hour before everybody shows up. Oh, I didn't theoretically, think, no, you can no, walk around. No, but maybe, I mean, maybe I don't know. Not. We were just getting our booth ready, and then like the other people who are there early often use that to come by and buy stuff. So it's like <laughs> Right. Kind That's of true. It is there. the shirt trading hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had big plans to like go check out Rick and Morty Simulator and go check out the new thing from Runic, and I totally bombed out on all of the on all of my PAX desires. Except uh, I did get a chance to play the demo of Thimbleweed Park, which is Ron Gilbert's new adventure game. Um, have we talked about Thimbleweed Park on the podcast at all? I feel like we've given it think very, so. little, very little conversation. Um, Ron Gilbert, who uh, is most easily known for the creative lead on the monkey island games on the first two monkey islands on maniac mansion or um as i've discovered through this year's packs uh, as we've become old people he's also uh well known f- as one of the founders of humongous entertainment which made uh, the putt putt games and pajama sam and freddy fish yeah we encountered multiple people this weekend who who had not played Ron yeah Gilbert's where you're like oh but- adventure games like oh freddy fish oh yeah. putt oh man Here. it's yeah <laughs> We're just well, monkey, just monkey Island is met with like a, a glass yeah, over yeah. stare, but like, yeah. oh, what the putt putt guy is making? Like, uh, anyway, it's really, good, <laughs> really good. Uh, he uh, he also worked at Hothead Games for a while. He worked at Double Fine uh, on the Cave with you, Chris. But he um, he and Gary Winnick, with whom he co-created Maniac Mansion, and a few of the other uh, artists from that like early late '80s, early '90s LucasArts era have a new adventure game coming out, completely of that style, called Thimbleweed Park. Um, and I played through a chunk of it, and it was, uh, in my opinion, really good. Uh, I don't know how to get into describing what this game is. I mean, it seems like it's 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 an adventure game of that old style, and it very leans very heavily into it being an old adventure game. Like it has the classic 
gigantic text verbs at the bottom of the screen all the time and the gigantic inventory. The characters look like they actually fell out of Maniac Mansion or Zack McCracken. Um, but the tone of it is very different than anything that LucasArts did at that time. And it just is the thing that I think keeps it feeling very fresh. Like the, the game is, it seems kind of X-Files and Twin Peaks influenced, but not, it's not in the way that a lot of modern things that are X-Files and Twin Peaks influenced are. Like it's not just heavy on long synth drones and establishing shots. It's more just about being in an odd place an odd place that feels strangely full of menace, yeah. even though well, nothing and, specific is happening. And X Files itself sort of eventually turned into the the diff, the way that like the modern version of that more is right when like when when X Files had started running pretty long, eventually it leaned so hard into its like lore and everything yeah. is like constant conspiracies and this and that. But like classic X Files is like oh this these are basically two people in essentially a normal world doing essentially a normal job, but there's like this weird twist to it. Yeah. And that's like my favorite. Every, everything you know, can feel sort of new and creepy and slightly threatening, but at the same time, there's plenty of room for the characters themselves who inhabit the space to be full of quirk and lighthearted mm-hmm. references, but not in a way that just makes it feel like a joke. Right. Um, like a, like a farcical game. And it's actually, it's a thing that, um, this is almost cheesy to say, but I haven't felt this blend uh, of the uh, sort of underlying mood versus the way the characters work since maybe the early Monkey Island games, or if not literally since then, it feels very clearly of the sort of mindset and team that were able to pull that off in the early yeah. Monkey Island games. And it's 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 also cool that it's set in unlike Monkey Island games, but like Maniac Mansion and Zach McCracken and right. Zach McCracken set in basically like the real world, yeah, which is something that is shockingly rare in games where there isn't like a super high concept thing added on top, like oh, or, and you're right. fighting a war in the real world, or you have crazy powers in the real world, or the other common know. modern variant of that is that it's a very stark and minimalist sort of artsy retrospective oh, look on that's real true. life. Yeah. Whereas this is just like, like uh, it's real life, but it's Kentucky just Kentucky Route Zero or yeah. like, what the real Texas. What was that game? Anyway, whatever it yeah. uh, you know, or Gone Home or Firewatch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is the very right. the, oh sure yeah yeah yeah. This is very much yes. like. It's ostensibly a real place. Thimbleweed Park is a town, uh, and these are all real people. But the world that they are in is just a, a weird one. Right. Um, the other, the thing that I was actually struck the most by in Thimbleweed Park is a thing that you hear a lot of old, like '90s and earlier era game designers talk about, which is just content is cheap when it's lo-fi, um, and that's not often applied to adventure games these days. I don't think because there aren't that many uh, like. Traditional adventure, traditional adventure games yeah. like broke in Broken Age. There's a lot of content, but that content was incredibly expensive. Uh, well, you know what's funny is that that totally actually applied to Firewatch. It did because content in a lot of cases was literally just like a few more voice lines. Yes, but in Thimbleweed Park, content is cheap, se- or seems to be the case in the most cl- classic of all ways. Where like I had been following the marketing for this game uh, as a Monkey Allen fan and a Ron Gilbert fan, and so much of it focused initially on the two investigator protagonists that seem to be kind of Mulder and Scully-esque characters. Uh, and then they've slowly revealed that there are more and more characters. Uh, but their PAX demo throws you for a total loop where you start off by playing as those investigators investigating a body found in a creek, which seems to be the the mm-hmm. uh, sort of precipitating event. And then uh, you go into the local diner to start investigating, and you uh, 
playing as the the male investigator whose name I can't remember. You can you can flip between characters like you can in Maniac Mansion or Day of the Tentacle. Um, but you uh, on his arc of the demo, you go and talk to the like teen behind the counter at the diner and she uh, about about this murder that's happened, and she says, "Ah, oh, you should probably go investigate that weird clown uh, who lives in the circus." Uh, he's just totally weird, and this weird thing happened to him like five years ago. And then the screen just does a wavy wipe, and you're just playing as the clown. And then suddenly you're preparing to go on stage, and really there's good. a weird adventure game puzzle that results in you getting cursed by a gypsy, so you can't take your makeup off, and you're stuck like that forever. <laughs> then it fades back, and she's like, "Yeah, I mean that guy's pretty weird, and that happened to him." <laughs> and then at some point, I, I uh, his profile then showed up grayed out in my list of characters so oh, like, okay shit. just at a later yeah, point you're yeah. also just going to be playing as that clown that's right. really cool that's so, a great introduction yeah like yeah, <laughs> that. uh but just yeah that just being a weird throwaway to there's five backgrounds and a complete puzzle chain and a story from uh, a flashback of this clown it it painted a good picture for the scope of this game that they're able to build by it being all 320 by 200 uh Pixel art backgrounds. Right. Also, they look really good. The the backgrounds are all being yeah, drawn they're, they're by beautiful. Uh, by the guy who did the original background layouts and paintings for Loom, and I think also mm. worked on Monkey Island One. Nice. Um, and if you remember those games, they're incredibly evocative, and it feels this. It feels like it feels less like a retro throwback to me, uh, and more almost like you've just stumbled upon a weird missing like like it fell out of an alternate dimension where this game got made. Uh, Instead of Monkey Island One or something like that, sure. where like the company and the history of adventure games just evolved slightly off on a different trajectory. Seem, is that comparable at all to you? Like the way Hyperlight Drifter feels like an alternate path. Hyperlight Drifter feels so much more informed by modern aesthetics to me. Okay. Like it has like the, yeah. that disaster piece soundtrack. Right. Okay. And, sure. and you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. everything's got that sort of angular indie comic. Like feels like it's post modern indie cartoons yeah. okay. look. Yeah. Whereas Thimbleweed Park has some modern color palettes, and also you you can tell. That while the puzzles are difficult, they're frustrating in a slightly more modern way. Like in the, you can tell that they've been playtesting the hell out of this game, right. and they're not just winging it with what seems impossible and what right. isn't. Right. Good but um, and you know, it's it's obviously informed by the fact that Twin Peaks and the X Files have had a chance to steep in popular culture. Like this game would not have been made <laughs> have existed. Yes, this game would not <laughs> exist in the nineties because the sort of cultural touchstones that it's hitting yeah. on are obviously were made after right. after those games. Uh, that's weird to think about. Yes, but um, yeah, it, in some weird way though, because of all of that, it comes around to feeling surprisingly fresh. Oh, also, it has like every background has like fifteen layers of parallaxing, that, and like there's pixel art reflections right. and stuff that just none of that stuff would be in the old in the old games yeah, and yeah, contribute yeah. a lot to the mood. But it's it feels like a previous. Like this is a sh- I don't mean this is an insulting thing to this team, but it does feel like a a previous generation of of game designers. Like these guys were like were in the zeitgeist heavily in the early '90s, right? Coming back and doing a thing that, which is what a lot of people are doing. Man, I don't. I'm describing a thing that a lot of people are doing, like a lot of Kickstarter type stuff. Mm-hmm. Something about this just felt very fresh to me when I was playing it, and I think it is that. Well, that's definitely not the case with some of that Kickstarter stuff, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. that well, I think part this. of it must be that the, that this is not one that's been completely mined to death, right? Like, it's not as though there's been a just a ton of professionally made uh, early, like, LucasArts Sierra-style graphic adventures 
coming back. I mean, that, the that, console games of that era have been much more heavily mined for for nostalgia. That's true, and I also think that these guys are doing a thing that a lot of the the uh, returning from the '90s teams aren't doing, which is they're mining fresh themes and fresh tones and fresh settings. They weren't like. What we were known for is Monkey Island, so we're right. bringing uh, we're bringing out yeah. pirate mixed steel stuff, right. a wacky <laughs> game about you know, or like we're known yeah. for Wing Commander, so we're bringing you Star Citizen. Right. Like, right. Uh, you're just literally changing. Well, sort of. Star Citizen is a well, total. Well, okay, that's what that's, <laughs> that's, that's what that started. Same. Star yeah. Citizen yeah. started yeah, yeah. that. It did start and then, that. And yeah. Who can <laughs> say where it and really now started? It start, now it's just a universe yeah, unto itself. Yeah. Okay, but there's, maybe there's, there's, eventually we don't really know what it is. Living inside Star Citizen as it grows to encompass more and more reality. Yeah. Thimbleweed Park will be just a component of Star Citizen That's eventually. <laughs> on some planet, it'll be you'll, you'll land on a planet and go up to a computer and then it'll and be then on there. And then some guy's like, oh, Thimbleweed Park, I played this as a kid. Ron Gilbert made it. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was a Kickstarter. Uh, Ron Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, yeah, I don't know. Just that, the way that, the way that Ron Gilbert is able to handle just the thing that was so striking about the early Monkey Island games was being inside these technically static adventure game backgrounds and just clicking on characters to talk to them, but feeling somehow like in your bones that there is stuff going on behind mm. the scenes in this game. Yeah. And it was cool to be playing Thimbleweed Park and have that experience coming out of basically literally the same technology as, uh, as Monkey Island, like that—that that was the thing that I think was the most surprising. Is that it feels like even if it's never going to hit the highs that those games did, like Monkey Island One and Two are two of my favorite games of all time. It feels very much like a new work from that same creative team, obviously minus Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman, but a lot of those same guys mm-hmm. that actually is managing to like reach back into the past and touch on some of those things that I think a lot of people have tried to emulate, but even. But no one has has hit, and even in this PAX demo, it hit that a little bit, and that was like, yeah, that no, was the thing awesome. that was really shocking and made it feel fresh. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, um, I didn't play Thimbleweed Park because I didn't want to play it in on the show floor um, environment, uh, and yep. because I just I don't know whatever. I I, I you're gonna wait you're wait gonna, for the full game. For I'm really yeah. excited about that game, and I already know I want to play it, so I'm like okay. Yep. But I'm glad you did because it was good. To, or I'm really glad we got to talk about it. Uh, but a thing I did play, which was right next to it, was. Uh, a game called um, Burly Men at Sea, which uh, I'm not going to talk about at great length because uh, I don't think it's um, like the the nature of the game means that it, it there's it, it's a fairly like straightforward thing, but really clever and unique. So this is a game that I suppose you could describe as an adventure game. Like I think the developers do. Okay, it is it is barely that. Uh, like honestly, if I were to describe this. I would describe it as an interactive children's storybook. That is what I would call this game. Wow, slam. No, I mean, I, it's like, it actually, I've never felt this before, but playing this game legitimately felt like paging through a, like an actual children's book, like a, like a children's illustrated book, um, and just like reading a, a story to a child who's like enraptured by it and like is watching the pictures as you're reading it. Um, because the, you control these three characters and the way and the way that the game is is portrayed is in this is flat illustrated style and it's always framed it's always framed in like a cropped circle in the middle of the screen with just like white 
outside of the circle. So it really looks like mm. someone has like composed a very carefully constructed image on your screen, even though the stuff inside that circle is actually like a video game that's running. And when you, the way you move is by dragging the screen to the right or left. And what happens when you do that is the, the circle actually like opens into a cylinder and like paints itself further to the right or left, whichever direction you're. Hmm. So it's as though the frame, it's as though that circular frame is actually growing to include more screen. So it looks like the illustration itself is just taking on a wider format. Yeah, like it's, you're it's, then it's, 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 opening it, up a two page spread. Exactly. In the book, yeah. It's like, it's like the circle is on a single page and then you, yeah. Then you imagine if it's a wide oval that contains a longer Ex- version of the scene that exactly. takes two pages right. or it's and like a weird unfolding uh, novelty book. Yeah. Or something. And the yeah. reason I, the reason I say I'm like hesitant to really call it an adventure game is because you're not really solving things or having interactive conversations. You're kind of just clicking through, as far as I can tell anyway, you're essentially just clicking through a predetermined sequence of events. And you can walk left or right and like do a thing before you do another thing. But it's essentially like everyone's going to do the same stuff, at least in the in the portion of it that's in the demo. I don't know if that changes. But it seems like since that's what they're showing in the demo, they that must essentially be what the game is like. Um, and the reason I the reason I think it's really cool is because I I like seeing stuff like this that uh, feels like a um, a new usage of just the video game format, you know. So like this seems like something that a parent could play with their kid, and the kid wouldn't be losing anything by either not like if the kid isn't the one interacting with it, they're not going to be missing out on like the substance of the gameplay or something like it just feels like a cool thing you could share um in in a, in a way that would that would that would be complete you're picturing a world where there's a kid who wants to play burly minute c every night before going to bed yeah <laughs> exactly that's exactly yeah that's exactly what i mean totally and it's just it was just charming and well illustrated and you know i um i i'm really glad well i mean i'm not glad they could have done this and it would have possibly also been good but i it's nice that they didn't feel the need to put in all the stuff that an adventure game would typically have because it seems like oh it's like there should totally be room for just this little picture interactive picture book thing in the world and and um yeah it, i just thought it was nice and it, and again just very stylish and well put together good music um looked really good um cool yeah sweet so burly men at sea nice Nick Brecken. <laughs> well, while you guys were were you know at PAX playing uh, playing charming adventure playing games. charming adventure games, <laughs> I was at home with the real gamers earning ranks. <laughs> uh, I played Battlefield One, the which, uh is the first game. Battlefield uh, <laughs> in Europe. It's called the Great Battlefield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, what if it was? Yeah, what if it was? This is a World War One game for yeah. clarification. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> a great war game, if you will. Mm. <laughs> Battlefield One, the great war game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all yeah. these better names, <laughs> but also worse names. True. Yeah. Um, Did you like it? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I approach these games now with a lot of hesitance. Um, in my old age of thirty-one, <laughs> uh, one because I don't know. They're just all. Wait, when's your birthday? All- I thought you're to thirty-one. Yeah. 1984. December 1984. Oh, December. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it's already been your birthday this year because we had that bear. (laughs) But the bear happened this year because I sent it to you 
Oh yeah. In December, but we didn't right. do it until like early this year. Sorry. Anyway, right. bear continue in your old age. <laughs> my old age, my memory's going as you, yeah. s- you see. Right. I've hurt my back very badly. <laughs> I, know, I was just waiting for Jake Before to get that out by leaning out. over to pick up my telephone. So Jake, anyway, Jake was in total like old man throw out your back. Right. It was still really so something. bad. Oh man. So let's hear about this war game. <laughs> anyway, God. old men, what's the latest world? Well, I bent down to pick up my gun and then my character like fell over into the trench <laughs> and then I never moved after that. <laughs> um, and you were shot. Yeah. And died. No, I shot myself. For desertion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um yeah, I approach these games with a lot of hesitance. I I one one because I'm I'm just I, I feel like I'm eventually just gonna be so bad at them that that they're just no longer enjoyable at all. Um Have you played which, a lot of Battlefield? I mean I since mean, No, uh, not really. Surely I mean, you played nineteen forty two. Nineteen forty two. Like that's the thing. I played nineteen forty two. I liked Riding around on the on the wing of planes with with twenty other people doing like goofy stuff, and then that series took a really serious turn that just kind of didn't really capture anything of of that original game for me. Um, you know, with sort of like the modern military guy, and I didn't even realize there was a Battlefield Four. I guess people were playing that, and that was popular. <laughs> uh, the, the last time I remember taking note of that series was Battlefield Three. But in any case. Um, and so, you know, I thought, all right, well, I'll give this thing a shot. It seems like at least <laughs> Battlefield it, Three, obviously the sequel to Battlefield Four, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, 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 uh, I didn't know if I would if I would enjoy it as a, as sort of just a, a game experience at all. Um, it, it's it's fine. It's good. I, you know, the the fact that they brought it back in era, I think, has helped the gameplay a lot because I've seen a lot of people say that, which was which was surprising to me. But I'm glad oh, to see it. I I kind of figured that I would at least give them a little leeway to get away from like shoulder mounted missiles that would just instantly kill you and right. shit like that. You know, and like just the mm. ballistics that any one human is allowed to have exactly. are, are less outrageous. Right. I mean, they. I still, mean, <laughs> eh, eh, in a video feels, game, they are yeah. less outrageous. I did see a gif of two guys riding a horse with a flamethrower. Well, that didn't. Like, that's what I want. Oh man, we'll that's see, what that's I want. okay though. That's what I want from this stupid. I'm series. not saying I don't want it. Don't you're, get me you're, wrong. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that it's uh, that it's inaccurate to World War One because uh, I believe that's what my great grandpa did when he fought in <laughs> the war. Um, <laughs> they had horses accurate to World War One flamethrowers. They had them. So, so who's to say that there yeah, wasn't some sort of elite ops crew? <laughs> They were like standing on recently a horse, declassified right? <laughs> drawings like by Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, maybe someone found these old drawings uh, <laughs> during the war and then made them. That's true. And it became an elite unit that you can play with twenty of your friends online on your Xbox One. Yeah, we honor the troops <laughs> and our great artisans of Western culture. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's it's goofy. It's so, a, it's so a goofy, it's what, a goofy well, battlefield. Game. Did you did you um, enjoy it? Have you been? Did yeah, you, you know what? There, there. <laughs> was this good? I yeah, no. I mean, you know, it's like it, it's it's it's. I mean, there's the sort of crazy modern battlefield stuff, which is still like as somebody who hasn't played one of these games in a while, it's it's nuts. Like every building is like perfectly destroyable in the sense that you can like blow like a tiny chunk out of this thing. Everything reacts physically the way that. It should, which is to me like it, it, you know, having not 
yeah, again, like played any of these sorts of shooters in a while, it's like, oh my god, like this is insane. But then beyond that, like they've done some really just sort of funny, kind of uh, cute stuff. Like they're, you know, it's World War One, so there's mustard gas and things like this. But you, cute. everybody, everybody has like a, 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 a <laughs> horrible, uh, yeah, it's hor- horrible, horrible things that were terrible in real life. Uh, but, oh, Chris said adorable. Oh, adorable, yeah. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, talk about this mustard gas um, feature. Well, you always have a, a like a, a gas mask that you horrible, can just slap adorable on. sounds like a kid's TV show or something, or like a kid's book, like like Dora the Explorer. Horrible, yeah, horrible, <laughs> adorable was horrible, when horrible, horrible Dora, the Tim Burton executive horror. producer of this Disney tween. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, whatever the game is, the game is whatever. So I, I was playing this game. Um, the other reason that I, I approach these games with with a lot of hesitance is that I, I know at some point somebody's going to open their mouth on team chat or whatever, <laughs> and I'm going to hate everything. Wait, and, what were you saying then, about gas masks and stuff? Oh well, I, they've just done some. Th- there are some actually like interesting mechanics. Like everybody has a gas mask on them at all times, and so you can just slap it on, and then when you put it on, it gives you like a first person like super high detailed view of like inside of a gas mask, which then limits your like ability to shoot. Um, and so you kind of have to. There are things in this game like that. Just you know, like, like a lot a of trade off. Ma- yeah, seems pretty cool. There are a lot of interesting trade offs um, that they've that they've built into this game. It's it's really cool. Like the bombers, for instance. Like, and now if you haven't played a Battlefield game in a while, and I played some of the Star Wars Battlefront game, which uh, this game borrows a lot of the UI and kind of mm. modern streamlining that that game had, which is really nice because it's very easy to get into now. Um, and like th- one of the things that also borrows is that you can spawn on top of a lot of different people in your group as opposed to just spawning at like your base. So um, if somebody's in a tank or if they're in a plane or whatever, you can just drop in and instantly join them. So it's it just keeps the game moving. But so like you know there are all kinds of different vehicles, obviously tanks, etc. But you, you know they have these bombers now, and because they're old sort of clunky World War One bombers, there's like the pilot has a view. And then in front of him, there's a turret seat. And, but when there's a guy who drops into that turret, he basically completely obscures your actual view <laughs> of the f- of fly- of flight. Uh, but then, uh, actually, this is good because I'm going to get into the, the, the one story I wanted to tell. Um, but, but then you can drop into, like, your actual bomber view, which is weird. Like, it's, it's the sort of, um, you Do know. You like a periscope or it's something? The, it's, the, it's the downward-facing periscope view. Mm-hmm. That you would have as a bomber, where you know it's sort of lining up where you're where you're going to drop these bombs, um, but then it's interesting because it's it's sort of um, when you're diving, you can actually see the carriage of the plane appear because the the view is kind of slightly off off like a it's not straight down, um, and so you can actually sort of kind of fly. While you're while you're looking through this view and and just never leave that view, it's bizarre. Anyway, it's hard to describe. You'd have to you'd have to kind of uh, see a see a video of it or something. But um, so anyway, so I, I actually like really enjoyed uh, the 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 strange uh, gameplay of this stupid bomber. That's like. Yeah. You know, you're flying around. That's, you a have, good, that's good stuff to commit to, though. Like all the weird idiosyncrasies. Yeah, of yeah. That yeah. Era. Oh, I was, I was really into it. Aviation. So, so like the, the 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 gunner in the back is the obvious, you know, spot. You 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 know, you're trying to be the tail guy and protect you from from all the fighters and stuff. Um, but the gunner in the front, I I always kind of appreciated because the gunner in the front, most of the time, because you're like a, a bomber, you're just flying around, and that guy doesn't have a lot to do. And so I was like flying bombers a lot. I'm getting kind of good at it, and uh, I was like, well, you know, I feel kind of bad for this guy because 
everybody fills every seat in every of vehicle yeah, in these yeah, games. Yeah. The vehicle yeah. is where you want to be. It, right. it, it's a joke to, <laughs> to, to, to pretend that that's not the case. <laughs> like in the original 1942, I can remember people just like, you would run to a tank, and if you couldn't find a tank, then you would just like stop moving until a tank spawned, and then you would get in it <laughs> uh, because that's just the fun thing to do. So, but anyway, so everybody fills all the seats. So there's always a guy in, in, in the front of this, of this stupid bomber. And so I was like, well, you know, I feel bad for this guy. This thing, it's like this slow, you know, slowly turning floppy bomber. Um, <laughs> Nick but, was just flopping his arms around. To right. Indicate. But it's, but because of that, it's sort of unassuming. And so I was like, I wonder if I could just drive this thing like a fighter and, and maybe pick some planes off and nobody would see it coming. <laughs> right. And so I just started instead of like, so you know, you became a stealth bomber. Kind of know. like instead of actually <laughs> like doing what people expected, which is like, you know, going up and then diving down and bombing. I just started to slowly kind of quietly follow the, the enemy fighters right. and, and just kind of uh, maybe I can maybe I'll just pretend that I'm going to go to this city and bomb. No, no, I'm going to follow you and then give my guy like a chance to shoot at him. And it actually started to work. I was like, oh, man, like we shot down a fighter. We shot down another fighter. It was amazing. And then so <laughs> nobody had been talking on TeamSpeak at all. Nobody talks in chat, of course, because it's just whatever. Nobody nobody does that anymore. And I, I realized that the guy in front was actually doing really well. He was like shooting down all these guys. And we were, you know, we were just flying forever. Like you can also so repair. You have this unspoken partnership. We have this weird yeah. unspoken partnership that's occurring. And um, when you're when you're flying a, I guess actually when you're driving anything in this game, there's a repair mechanic, which is also really interesting because as long as you're not being hit, you can hold a button down and it will slowly repair you. Um, so we were flying for like probably ten minutes without ever dying, which in this game is like a long time. And finally, this guy pipes up and he's like. Hey, Nick. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's talking to me in chat. This is weird. In voice chat? This, in, no, no, no. Just in the, sorry. In the, in the, in the okay, actual, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. typing chat. Right, right. Like, I didn't, I didn't know how to respond. First of all, I'm flying this thing, so I can't, like, right. very easily, like, yeah, yeah, start yeah. typing. Yeah. But so then I just sort of head off towards the sunset for a second. I go, oh, hey, uh, good job on that, on that, on that kill. On the, you know, because you shot the guy down, right. which was impressive. I hope you typed and, all of that. I mean, I typed a lot. Good I was like, I was like, oh, because you shot that guy down. <laughs> that was impressive. Which was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I typed a lot. I typed like a two sentence missive and then yeah, sent it off yeah. to this guy. And he was like, yeah, man, like you go get him. This is you're the best pilot I've ever I've ever flown with. <laughs> God, he's going to get Colin shot and D. killed. He's going to get shot D. and killed. There's no. no way he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Um, There's no like, way he's oh, not man. just wrecked by bullets right after typing <laughs> that. You'll keep me safe. I know it. And so and so we started sort of like chatting. Like after every kill, I'd be like, oh, man, good job. Good sh good shot, guy. And he'd be like, yeah, you go. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Like just, just like stupid, like back and forth, like yeah. colon D, like, you right. know, smiley face. Yeah. You're the best kind yeah. of stuff. And I was like, this is weird. Like I haven't talked to anybody in a video game ever in the <laughs> in the last 20 years probably i don't know 10 years like i don't you don't do this yeah, this is bizarre right. and so you know eventually uh you know uh, we're just sort of flying around and then i realized i ordered dinner like 15 minutes ago <laughs> and i have to get up to go to the door to get the dinner but i'm flying the stupid bomber Right, and I'm 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 gonna be fucked, and so now there's like a five minute time limit 
on like I can see like on my phone app the driver approaching, <laughs> and I know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just eat shit the second this thing happens. Then you're gonna eat food. Well, yeah, I'm just gonna eat the food because I don't care about this guy that much. Um, <laughs> and so I hear the the buzzer, and I'm like, all right, I guess the best thing I can do is just like pull up on the stick and just hope oh that, I'm gonna, that I'm not going that I'm not going to crash this guy. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm really at this point I'm like really invested. I'm like I really don't want to let this guy down. Yeah. But also I don't want to explain like I don't have, I don't really have time to explain like there's food coming. <laughs> you had five weird minutes, guy on the internet. <laughs> well, I know, but like what I, I just Okay. I don't want him to jump out. You know, I don't give him like a reason to like doubt me, you uh-huh. know. And so like, instead you're just going so to So you'd rather your protect your reputation right. and pride than hit the life of his fictional character. Right. So so I, I was able to to run and hit the the buzzer to let the guy uh-huh. in. But then I could hear him coming up the stairs and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to go pay him at the door. That's like a good like 20 seconds. All right. I'm just doing it. And so I just aimed towards like the sunset, pulled up on the stick and just ran to the door. And I was like, oh, thanks for the food. And he was like, OK, so that'll be 20. I was like, OK, here you go. Uh, uh, I got a bomber over there. Just give me my food. It's fine. OK. And then I run back to the thing. And just as I get back to the computer. I just like see like a mountainside just approaching oh, like no. full on, and I'm like, oh god, oh no, oh, and just everything explodes, <laughs> and then the guy's like, what were you doing? Bum, bum, like, what did bum, you do? Bum, like, what was that? Bum, like, bum, bum, and, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so bad. I was like, oh, I let this dude down, and uh, and then he forgave me, and he was oh, like, wow. I added you on Origin Chat. <laughs> and, it was, and I was like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with that. But like, I don't even know, I don't use Origin ever. But, but uh, I'll tell sure. you of, I'll tell you of my betrayal on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the story. But it, it was just a, it was a weird thing uh, to experience that because I haven't experienced anything like that since maybe the early two thousands. At this point, of just like uh, teaming up with a dude in a in a multiplayer shooter. And feeling like uh, he wasn't a total shitbag, basically, right? Um, and then getting friended on a on a chat service <laughs> afterwards. And so, like that Classic, that that was maybe the the best moment out of out of just playing what is you know a fine a fine game. Um, and I can't promise that'll actually happen if you play this game, but but it reminded me how much I miss that stuff and that yeah, sort of like cool. that, that version yeah. of like multiplayer shooter culture. That totally feels like something that is just lost to me now. Yeah. Of just like the, the, the idea that I would be playing something like that and sort of invest both enough time and also enough like legitimate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of presence of mind and effort. Well, and then, and then have like that connection where it's like, Oh, cool. I'm like sort of weird intangible buddies mm-hmm. with a person on the internet now. And we're never going to like meet each other. Yep. Uh, like that's, I can't, it's just impossible for me to imagine having that again now. Yeah. In my 30s in 2016. I mean, I'm sure I'll never play with this guy again. But, I mean, I will say the thing that the game does well that is actually – it's trying to, like, create these moments, kind yeah. of, because there, there's this squad system. And when you start every round, you have to – I mean, you don't have to, I think. I think you could skip it. But pretty much everybody joins a squad, and it's off to the left, and you can see it. And each squad is only five people large. And uh, then at that point, you can spawn on top of anybody in your, in your squad. squad. Okay, so it's trying to keep you – in a tight knit group with with four other friends, That's cool. right? Or and four other w- 
people who they Potential hope will become friends. Yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, uh, future uh, girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Where'd you meet? Oh, in the Great War. <laughs> we yeah. met at the battlefield yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> the battlefield one. W O N. Is definitely a great lost war novel of the early 20th century. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I had fun with that dumb game. Cool. But yeah. You want to take a break? Sure. Video this episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Casper, a high quality manufacturer of mattresses and other bedding materials made right here in America and sent to your door. Casper has a complete guarantee that you, Jake Rodkin, oh, me. that you will love hmm. this mattress. So you can try it out risk-free for 100 days before you decide if you want to keep it, but you probably will want to keep it because it's really good. I've heard it's got a good amount of bounce. It's got the right, it's got all the right bounce the and right sink. memory. Yeah, it does all the things uh, you want, Shenanigans, right? yep. Casper mattresses are already very competitively priced. They're $500 for a twin size mattress, up to 950 for a king, with you know everything in between. But if you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the promo code thumbs at checkout, you will get $50 towards the purchase of any mattress on their site. And that deal is only sweetened further <laughs> by the way the mattress explodes out of its <laughs> shipping box when it arrives at your home. So are you saying that I will get a, an incredibly well-priced, com- comfortable mattress, which also explodes out of its box like some sort of novelty cartoon snake? That is exactly what I'm saying. Man, I can be entertained right before I sleep, and then I can sleep <laughs> That's true. like you I've might never not slept even, before. You, you might not even have an easy time falling asleep because you'll be so amped up from the, uh, from the mattress unboxing shenanigans. <laughs> Except that as soon as you hit that mattress, you'll be... I'll be out. You'll be out. Like a light. Yep. Uh, so again, that is casper.com slash thumbs with the promo code thumbs for $50 towards any Casper mattress Video this episode of idle thumbs is also brought to you by squarespace squarespace is the fastest easiest most user-friendly intuitive and compatible and responsive way to make your very own professional website portfolio blog or online store hmm. yeah it's all those things <laughs> i should know so we got a tweet from twitter user emperor web Runner who says, thanks to the Idle Thumbs Squarespace code for helping me set up giantrobot.club to host my comics from now on. I went to this uh, this site, and on my phone it loads up with a really cool like color-changing, color-cycling background thing. Uh, it's the webcomic art of Mark Shallow, and there is like a ton of content on here already um, across seemingly two different webcomics. So... This Idle Thumbs reader and prolific webcomic artiste uh, set up this website, giantrobot.club, with the Idle Thumbs Squarespace code. It works great on my phone. I bet, Jake, it would work well on my desktop computer as well. I'm sure it would. Yeah. I'm sure it would. Yep. You can browse through them. It's just exactly what you want. Uh, so if you if that's exactly what you want, also, you go to squarespace.com, use the promo code THUMBS when you're ready to check out for 10% off. But before you do that, you can get your entire site set up 
without needing to put in any of your payment information or whatever. Uh, if you sign up for a year, you get that domain name. It's everything you need. It's squarespace.com with the promo code THUMBS. Video games. Yeah, pod. Oh. Welcome back to the pod. Oh, thanks, Chris. Um, I haven't really played a lot of video games since we recorded because we've been at PAX and... Um, that's just the reason I've been out of town. But I did when I was, uh, I noticed the other day, I haven't seen anyone mention this anywhere on the internet, but I, I opened up the, just the app store on my iPhone to just update normal apps. And on, right on the front page at the top in a featured slot was Luminous, the, uh, Mizuguchi designed PSP game from like a decade ago yeah. or yep. more. Um, and I'm like, oh, what the hell? It's $3. So I got it. And it's just luminous. It's just there on your phone. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's weird playing it again because I know it so we well. We talked about still. this on, on Idle Thumbs. I feel like we way back. This feels yeah. like probably like the first few the, episodes. The, the one-two combo of luminous and medios feels yeah. like it was just like our lives were destroyed by those games for oh, a while yeah. there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I played probably I don't know a hundred hours of medios. Yeah. I mean, I played that game so much on the DS. Uh, Luminous, I didn't play quite as much simply because I, d- I didn't have a PSP uh, ever, really. I think I think Luminous eventually came, it came to PS3. PS3. It came to PS3, yeah. yeah. Oh, it came to PS3. These are both PS3 games to me. I pl- like the first oh, interesting. was on PS3? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? I think. No? What? No, maybe not. That game requires a stylus to be good. Oh, uh, no, maybe. You sure? No, I'm if thinking... you played it, you must have played no, uh, no, no, a th- compromised no, port. I'm, I'm thinking of something different. No, Medios was not on PS3, I'm pretty sure, but... But Luminous was. Yeah. Medias was 05. Then, so I, then that's Luminous probably that's probably where I played too. Luminous then. Because Luminous didn't come to the DS. I was confused. Um, oh, Luminous came to Steam as well. Oh, hmm. that's right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that's where I played it. I don't know. Yeah. I played a bunch of this game somewhere or other. Um, oh, my God. It came to iOS in 2009. What? I just went to the Luminous. <laughs> I just went to the Luminous. Uh, <laughs> All your latest Wikipedia video game page. news. <laughs> well, that's baffling. I had no idea. Well, anyway, this is like, welcome to no new news on Idle Thumbs. Um, what the hell? All right. Chris is here to talk about the recently featured uh, seven-year-old iPhone app, Luminous. Yeah, what? Okay. Anyway. I've, Chris, have you played this game called Flappy Bird? <laughs> <laughs> so I played Luminous on iOS, which I guess is like old-ass news. Uh, anyway, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. I don't know. All right, time for reader mail. It's there if you want to buy it. It's still on that store. It was featured. It was featured like a new app is featured. Sorry, that was just your that was your Jerry Seinfeld like, or I guess George Costanza. George Costanza. It was featured. It was featured. It was on the front page. <laughs> that was more. That was more Jerry. <laughs> That's true. The yeah. It was on the front page. It was on the yeah. front page. <laughs> okay. Well, some. Did you have fun playing Luminous? I did. It's really good. It's a fun game. It's a fun game that I like, and they featured it. Um, I also played more Deus Ex Go, which I didn't mention last week, but I've just been playing that game mm. like off and on, um, and it's still going. I mean, I'm still I'm on. I still, still going. going. <laughs> Deus Ex. Okay. I played right. a little of the actual Deus Ex. I'm at, but I'm not at level really fifty-two now. Oh yeah. Yeah. What did you get? Pa- did you get into the hub? Yeah, I got okay, into the so hub. You're playing a the real bit. game. Yeah. 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 I haven't really played it since last week because I have not had a system. I have not access had access to a computer, um, but I will this week play more. 
Uh, okay, well, um, <laughs> good, just good segment, mail, best segment. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that was a great sorry one. for ruining it. The good ones. Okay. Uh, Jake Rodkin writes, hello, Chris, what is game? Uh, Luminous for the iOS <laughs> system <laughs> platform. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake did, in fact, write that email eight minutes ago, according to this, this email. I wanted to know what it was. Oh, that's what it is. Brand new game, Luminous. Uh, Andrew Helm writes, Storytelling and Hitman. Hey, Thumbs. Long time, first time. Years of Thumbs listening have taught me to avoid consuming video games as a singular designed experience and instead focus on the stories created during the player's time within the world. That focus on implied stories made a recent experience in Hitman much more memorable than it otherwise would have been, and it seemed worth sharing. During an escalation mission, I was tasked with killing three people and moving their bodies into a freezer. The freezer and the targets were in a relatively populated area, so the strategy was to knock out all civilians, potential witnesses, who regularly wandered into the area as well. It just so happens the freezer included in the objectives was also the perfect place to hide the unconscious civilians. By the time I was on my final target, the freezer contained a pile of a dozen or so bodies, two of which were dead targets, with the remainder being unconscious civilians. I knocked out my final target, moved her body to the freezer, and prepared for the moment of triumph. I pressed Q to snap neck, and began a slow, dramatic stroll away from the body pile. However, instead of the rising music and mission complete message, the text on screen read, non-target killed. The room was so crowded with unconscious bodies that I had chosen the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) Upon refocusing the camera toward the pile, the true irony of the situation became apparent. The pile of civilians were all wearing the same outfit. (laughs) The final target was using the very strategy that had been initially implemented by Agent 47 himself during the boat training, disguise. (laughs) Undaunted, I continued to press Q to snap neck until the mission was complete. However, by that time, the drama of the initial setup had dissipated and was replaced by a frantic scene of 47 killing indiscriminately to finish the job. Four civilians died that day, and only one man will ever know the true reason. Uh, Perhaps the murders of the innocent bystanders serve to throw investigators off the scent and prevent them from finding the common thread between the three real targets. Maybe the party who requested the hit assumed that the legendary Agent 47 had uncovered a conspiracy that included the four non-targets as well, justifying their deaths. The civilians who were spared had no context for what they woke up to and will never understand why they were spared in a seemingly random attack. Hopefully they are motivated by the experience, a la a Tyler Durden robbery, and resolve to make themselves better people. Thanks for all the pods, and please never stop casting them. Andy, Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. That reminds me of a separate email I got from reader Roger Chin, who wrote, uh, who wrote, I made a short Hitman video I think you'd enjoy. It's entitled, There's a Problem with the Toilet. <laughs> so if you search, I'm not going to, like, I don't want to, this is a very good video, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to explain what happens in it. I'm just saying you should seek out on YouTube the video there's a problem with the toilet. Maybe include the words hitman in there or the word hitman. Uh, I guess. I mean, it's to, not in the, to... I don't think it's in the the, the video, so I don't know oh, if that's really? going to help. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Um, well, you might need to sift through other. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you search for, for this verbatim there's in a... quotes, there's a problem with the toilet. Yeah. Uh, you should find it. And it's, and it's quite good. Uh, the, the reveal is good. Okay. So, Let's find some more emails, shall we? AJ Small writes, I've been doing a more recent playthrough of Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition while catching up on your podcasts. During a particularly intense moment, I was lining up a bow shot and out to fire when, out of nowhere, Lara Croft switched to a pistol and caused me to alert everyone in the area. 
Unclear why, it was then I realized that the voice commands were still on and the Kinect was picking up idle thumbs talking in the background. Instead of turning it off, I turned you guys up and have been enjoying the pause menu randomly appearing, weapons switching out, camera angles changing during cinematics. It has added a delightful random element that improves the game. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> good. That's very good. Man, you could have you could have uh, like podcasts play connect. Mm. You could uh, there might be some way to 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 encourage um, a particular like there might be games that pause the pause this recording until you see the following on your screen and then press play and then watch as we complete a video game for you. The most amazing version of that would be to somehow embed it into normal discussion with like where there's key, there's like yeah. certain keywords that you're, right, yeah. s- you're like seeding into, lacing into the discussion. But they would all have to begin with connect though, right? So that's where <laughs> really? your sort of sentence would have to end with connect and then begin with a command. Really? Well, were we in the episode actually talking about connect? Then? I don't know. Don't you have to say connect, pause? Like, don't you have to give like it a command? I feel like you have to say connect, pause, then you have to say yeah. down, down, and then you've got to say connect, pause. Well, uh, connect con- is well, an actual I mean, what word. What if you said connect, so pause, What though? if this conversation if, was secretly connect? coding how to complete a level in Tomb Raider? <laughs> and then you say connect, left stick up. I don't even know what you fucking say. Switch weapon. <laughs> I guess Xbox turn off. Weapon? I guess is con- that really connect the brand name is a homophone for connect the actual word. Oh, that's true. So You're right, you right, could right. you could have a podcast right. in which we're just talking uh, about connect connecting frequently. Things. It's a game where we're talking about maybe like a, an elaborate puzzle game where things are connected uh, right. and move in various directions and yeah. do various things. Um, yeah. Where you like connect shut down. Is it connect or is it Xbox? Do you say Xbox or connect? Oh, maybe you say Xbox. Maybe you say suck box. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Maybe you oh. do. Oh, I've confirmed, by the way, that if you, in quotes, in Google, put there's a problem with the toilet, you get one result, and it is that video. Okay. Mm. There you go. Good. All right. Surprising. Mike Xbox. <laughs> Mike Deven writes. Xbox. <laughs> That's true. He does. He doesn't. He Xbox. writes. Xbox. I thumbs. I've been meaning to... <laughs> I've been meaning to. I wonder if there's like a Xbox. V- <laughs> Jesus Christ! What? I'm just trying to inject a little it's extra Xbox. Uh, what? Inject some whimsy into the readers' Xbox experience. <laughs> Xbox experience. Life. That's what Xbox stands for. Experience. <laughs> you just said Xbox stands, so I'm, I'm afraid of what that's going to trigger. <laughs> Xbox speak. <laughs> speak. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> Xbox feel. <laughs> that why? classic Xbox feel. What? Do, why do I exist? <laughs> Xbox. Why do you? The Xbox says aloud. <laughs> please, please stop playing God, podcasts. Your Xbox gains sentience, then immediately says Xbox turn off forever. <laughs> anyway, someone wrote a reader mail. Yeah. Mike Deven did and writes, Hi Thumbs, I've been meaning to write you since that series of episodes when you discussed Anno heavily, as well as other city and transportation management sims. This has been one of my favorite genres. In those episodes, you discussed Roller Coaster Tycoon quite a bit, and all this recent talk of coaster builders reminded me to the email. Sometime in the mid to late 90s, probably 97, I was digging in the game bargain bin at a KB Toys in my local mall. It was full of cheap solitaire packs and no-name platformers, but I stumbled upon a game that sounded right up my alley, Transport Tycoon Deluxe, for $5. I ended up adoring this game, which is essentially a transport company simulator. It was made by Chris Sawyer, the same guy who did Roller Coaster Tycoon and features his familiar 2D isometric graphics. Fun fact, Chris Sawyer basically wrote all of those games in assembly code himself, despite higher-level languages being available. 
I sunk more hours into this game than any other I've played. I was still starting up MS-DOS into the early 2000s just so I could play this game. I still remember the DOS command was TDDLX. Eventually, it wouldn't run on newer versions of Windows after DOS wasn't really DOS anymore. There was an official sequel in 2004 called Locomotion. I was in college and still remember driving to the Best Buy to get it on release day. It was a huge disappointment. Changes were made to the construction UI that made it almost unusable, and I barely played it. A couple of years back, I was feeling those pangs of nostalgia and wanted to see if the original was available on GOG or something similar. I discovered fans had, discovered, had developed a patch for the original game to add new features, and then completely reverse-engineered the game and rewrote it in C++, allowing it to play on modern hardware. The game is open source called OpenTTD, and development continues today. Many additional features like improved signaling and larger maps have been added that allow much more complex networks than were ever possible in the original game. Most interesting is the addition of online multiplayer where a number of players connect to a single game on a server to work cooperatively. Mm. It has the feel of multiple people working in the same Google Doc. They work together to develop massive train networks that link together all the industries on the map using mainlines, sidelines, feeder lines, and a degree of complexity which is remarkable. Trains were always the most interesting form of transport, and they've become the focus of the community's interest. The networks are so complex that they do planning by picking a small area of the map and basically mocking up a scale model of the final network. There are guides to building flyover junctions, how to feed into stations so there are no backups, and increasingly complex hubs that handle more and more trains. Take a look at this article on backbone hubs to see a little what I'm talking about. And then he links to wiki.openttdcoop.org slash bbh. I find it remarkable that such a specific and strong community has built up around this game I love, and they've developed their own technical language for virtual train construction. If you're interested in seeing what the community's built, check out openttd.org for the game and openttdcoop.org for the co-op community. Both sites have wikis that explain in depth how various types of junction and hubs and signaling schemes work. I've started to play again, but I'm a long way from understanding all of these complexities. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Mike Deven. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some screenshots of that thing. It's absolutely bonkers. The world needs some sort of combination of the 99% Invisible podcast and the Reply All podcast that would just cover <laughs> this sort of shit. Yeah, that's true. Neither of those podcasts would cover that, but... Uh, no, not unless some like weird yeah. thing caused it to like reach out into the real world somehow, yep. probably. Yeah. But that's... I love that communities like that exist. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, Corey Shaughnessy writes... If you were to have a special episode of the podcast and got to send out scratch and sniff sheets to all your listeners for that episode, what six cents would you use? Corey Shaughnessy. Six cents? Yeah. Not sixth cents. What sixth cents would would you use? So we'd have to send six unique smells, up to six unique smells. Yeah, that we could presumably like trigger at in the podcast. Or like just say scratch this one now. Right. Man. When we say Xbox turn off, scratch this smell. <laughs> when we say Allard, the smell of like burnt rubber and like sick. Or like a fresh Northwestern pine. That's true. Like a pine, <laughs> a pine <laughs> scent. Yeah. I was just reading about how scratch and snips work. It's oh, yeah? crazy. How do they work? The, the technology is actually fairly old, but it's well, nuts. Yeah. But well, you they would, came in magazines and shit. Well, I mean, from like the sixties, <laughs> like they they. It's not that old. Well, ancient scratch and sniff. Come on, I don't know. Maybe I just still feel <laughs> Does like it still feel like it amazing. Feel, it still feels like an amazing technology. Scratch and sniff was old in the eighties. Therefore, it must have been old in the seventies. Therefore, it must have been old in the current 
now. Right. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. I went the wrong way. Yeah. I've, too much Battlefield 1 discussion has made me think that... <laughs> reset <laughs> all my impressions yeah. of old. Of how time works. <laughs> yeah, it's based off of, like, carbon copying. And so they huh. actually... Yeah, and so it's it's um, <laughs> molecules of... Um, of oils, like essential, like 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 really strongly scented oils, uh-huh. but they're they're just like the actual like um, uh, thing that you're scratching are like these microscopic uh, encapsulated particles of like really strongly scented oils, and then when you're scratching it, you're actually like breaking them open. It's the same technology that they use for. Um, uh, those like things that you find in a magazine that have like cologne on them, right? Except sure. in that case, yeah. it just rips them all open at once. But ah. a scratch and sniff, you can sort of like you hit a few of them, you but there's always a few out, left, right. and that's why it always yeah. it smells for like twenty years later. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's crazy. Anyway, so what smells? <laughs> Would we include? I'm not asking just what. <laughs> what what, what <laughs> is this Something smells weird. Mm. Nick, I I um, gosh, I don't know. It's weird to ask to request smells when we are an audio medium that discusses an audio and visual medium. <laughs> like true. smells don't factor into anything we talk about ever. Well, maybe they should. I know. Mm. Maybe we should be talking about smells Ac- all the time. Accurate smells of idle thumbs include coffee. Yeah, I was going to say coffee. True. Strong coffee smell. A styrofoam a sort of sweating. Oh, yeah. Slight styrofoam. That weird, uh, or gross, or like foam, stale like... smell of foam. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, we don't really smell it where we're sitting, but if you walk up to the wall, you could smell it. Mm-hmm. So we could, we could intensify, we could create mm. a more real oh. than real experience. Yes. A sweaty room with like that sort of room Sweaty funk. men. With but then like, like also the when, J- of... when J. Allard shows up, you can definitely, in combination with one on each finger, the smell of burnt rubber and of pine. And Axe body spray. And Axe yeah. body uh, that's three. Yeah. So okay, it's coffee, styrofoam, <laughs> sweat, Axe body spray, burnt rubber, and a fresh pine. Mm-hmm. That's the six. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the, clearly, what would sum up the Idle Thumbs podcast better than that combination of smells? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. Hmm. Uh, that's true. Nothing at all would actually be a much yeah. better summation yes. of the Idle Thumbs podcast than those We are odorless, scents. tasteless, colorless. Definitely tasteless. But deadly. <laughs> what, what sixth sense do you guys think would be most appropriate uh, to the Idle Taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, taste is a sense, but the other kind, the metaphorical kind. <laughs> Fuck, taste is one of the five. Right, yeah, Son of a no, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sight, uh, touch. <laughs> D- those are the sixth. It's like I have a sixth sense. <laughs> taste. <laughs> uh, okay. Xbox, turn off Xbox. podcast. Xbox, turn Xbox off taste. Erase. <laughs> no taste. Xbox. Xbox, wipe archives. Yeah. <laughs> Delete memory tape. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be great if we had like just a reel to reel in here of wish, all ten year mm, all like that's, eight, eight years? So the of thing that thumbs. we should start looking for on eBay is genuinely one of those huge stacked computers with a reel to reel that we could just run in the this fucking shitty shelf that we don't use for anything, put a reel to reel back there. Then we're then we're talking about this room. And then we'd have a good scent. That, that thing would definitely create some kind of scent. Mm, yeah. Film yes. has a scent for sure. Yes. Or I guess magnetic tape. Yeah. It's all the same. You know when they first made credit cards, uh they they were fr- they originally credit cards were just like plastic or like whatever plastic or whatever it was with just embossed numbers and y- 
when you used it, people had to like write it down in a ledger and then yeah. look it up later. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, and a, when, original credit card swiping was them putting it in the machine and making an imprint of the numbers right, that stuck out of the card. Right. But when they, but when they, when they were like, "This sucks. This is like a horrible method." Uh, when they, they just like went into a room and like tried to figure out how to, how to like make a better credit card, and they came up with a magnetic tape thing, and they literally just like cut with scissors, like cut tape out of cassette tapes and oh, glued man. it to the credit card. And that was how they first made uh, magnetic strips on credit cards. Good. This is a nice little like how things work podcast <laughs> embedded in our yeah, that's true. Xbox podcast. If you ever wanted to know about scratch and sniffs or credit card, I mean, yeah. Stay tuned for our new 99% visible or reply all <laughs> style podcast about just garbage. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, or don't. Thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. Nick Brecken's got to go, so we're wrapping this up. You can write us more email about whatever this, whatever. <laughs> Questions at idlethumbs.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Idle Thumbs. You can find our website at idlethumbs.net. It's got all the stuff on there. Uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. Um, Nick's been streaming um, a lot of Planet Coaster on Twitch. I don't know if you're planning on continuing that, Nick. Mm-hmm. That's at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. He's been uploading those in chunks to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash idle videos. You gonna continue with that too? It's it's all updated. Oh, it's all updated. Okay. Yeah. There's four parts, I think, right now. Five now. Five now. Oh wow. Okay. So all five <clears> parts <throat> on YouTube, uh, more streaming to come at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. Um, if you like it, tell a friend about the streaming or the podcast or whatever. Um Xbox goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Xbox goodbye. <laughs>